Well, hey there, and welcome to a brand new episode of Show Me the Crypto. This week, we chat with Toby Cunningham, who is a Nazare big wave surfer and the co-host of Crypto Tips. Ulf, thoughts on this episode? Well, we kick things off talking about surfing, which is not so crypto related, but super cool nonetheless. And to talk to someone who's not just, I mean, he's not just, you know, surfing random waves. He's surfing some of the biggest waves in the world. So it was actually a super interesting way to kick off the episode and then tie that all into crypto. And Toby's been around. He's an OG. He's been through like three cycles of uh, crypto now. And so to go through all the things he's been through from a bull market perspective, a bear market perspective, lessons he's learned and what he could share with people who are either new or maybe it's only their second cycle, you know, what can you do in the upcoming bull run? And the bigger question was, are we in a bull run already? Has it started or is that still something to come in the future? Stick around to find out on that question. Yeah, this was a really interesting conversation. And for context, so this is the 126th episode of Show Me the Crypto. If we go back to episode number one, which we shot in late 2020, that was with Toby's wife, Heidi. And so it was a lot of fun just chatting about even some of the similarities in it of answers because back on episode number one, the conversation was how to navigate a bull run. And the timing was perfect because we hit, it was about a month before the bull run of 2020, 2021, 2022 was starting up. And now we talked to Toby about, are we in a bull run? And it's kind of getting prepped for this next one. So it's a perfect timing for this episode. Toby draws some similarities between surfing and cryptocurrency, which is super interesting to hear. We hope you're going to enjoy this episode. Show me the crypto. <laughs> Show me the crypto. Show me the crypto. In a world on the brink of disruption, two men will bring you clarity by interviewing some of the most intelligent and influential names in the blockchain world. Welcome to Show Me the Crypto with your hosts, Wade Patterson and Ulf Lonegren. Well, hi there and welcome to Show Me the Crypto. My name is Wade Patterson. And I'm Ulf Lonegren. We're a couple of friends from Canada who love learning about cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, and we're happy you're along for the ride. Whether you're a crypto virgin or you know your way around the block, we hope our interviews with some of the most intelligent and influential people in the blockchain space help deliver you with value. And on this episode, we're joined by Nazare Big Wave Surfer and co-host of Crypto Tips, Toby Cunningham. If riding waves is the commonality on the Venn diagram of surfing and crypto, Toby has been doing so expertly for many years. In the water, Toby began surfing big waves at the age of 16 and earned the XXL Biggest Paddle Award in 2003 for successfully taking on a 56-foot swell. On the blockchain, Toby got orange-pilled in 2012 and has successfully ridden through waves of FUD, and we're all going to make it rhetoric to survive the last three bull markets and two or maybe even three bear markets, today's conversation may help us determine what that number actually is. Toby, welcome to Show Me the Crypto. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're excited about this conversation. And we were saying before we hit the record button, my wife and I, we've been watching the the second season of 100 foot wave and we're just fascinated by big wave surfing in nazare and so i want to start off the conversation for somebody who's never heard of nazare how would you describe the place the surfing culture and also how it has changed over the years as popularity has gained around it i mean it's just a small fishing village that happens to have the Second largest, I think, uh, canyon in the world, underwater canyon. So the canyon actually hits like the the swells hit the canyon, and that makes the waves just go crazy. So it it's it's got the a different bathymetry, which is the bottom of the ocean, and so once the swells hit uh, part of that um, that ledge underneath the water, coming from super deep water, it just creates like the big the biggest wave in the world. And uh, it breaks right along a cliff, and then it also kind of spreads out down the beach a little bit. So yeah, it's it's massive. It's I mean we've seen waves 
I think one day we saw waves. I think there were 120 foot, but oh, nobody was God. out. Uh, Garrett McNamara, the guy that kind of founded this place, um, he was on a trip to like Florida and he's like, be careful, you know, and we didn't really think anything of it. And we woke up the next day and it was 120 foot. It was huge. And I've never seen waves like that since. So looking forward to it. But uh, let's see the, the, when we first got here, the lighthouse wasn't even open. So you see all those iconic pictures of the lighthouse being open, people standing on it. We, we hadn't even gone on it yet. So it, after, you know, a couple of years of the WSL, which is like a professional surfing association coming here and advertising the spot and then, you know, world records being broken here, then it became popular. And then more and more people started funneling in and then the, the crowds just started coming and, <laughs> and lots of traffic and tons and tons of people, like 10,000 people for like a giant swell. Wow. So it's, it's quite, it's crazy. Is there a crypto community within your surfing community or is this, are those things totally separate? I mean, they, most of the surfers, they don't really care about crypto too much. They're just more into their sponsors and, you know, trying to stay relevant with photos and stuff and trying to right. catch a big wave. Um, whereas I, I saw that earlier on and I'm like, I don't want to go that route because you're essentially, you're always working for somebody that's, and you're probably going to chase a paycheck all the time. That's what surfers do here. And it's really stressful on them. You probably mm -hmm. can't see that on the hundred foot wave, but boy, those surfers are so stressed out of their mind. I can't even explain it to you. So yeah, that's a little backdrop on, on surfers mm -hmm. here, but you know what? I have gotten a lot of these surfers into uh Bitcoin. So for instance, I sat down Garrett a couple of years ago, like this is what you need to do. If you want to, you know, buy some Bitcoin or whatever. I got my team members all into Bitcoin essentially. And uh yeah, it's been it's been good. Nice, nice. Passing along the good word, getting <laughs> yeah. people in. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Speaking of getting into Bitcoin, Wade mentioned in the bio in 2012 you were orange pilled. Can you tell us a little bit about how you first discovered Bitcoin, did it sink in right away? Were you just jumping right on board? Or was this something that took a little bit of time to sort of wrap your head around? Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I was usually in trading stocks, you know, trading stocks and also the gold and silver, um, uh, like spot gold and silver. That's that's what I was into mm -hmm. and, uh, back in like 2011. And then it collapsed. So remember when, I don't know if you guys know this, but like when 2011 hit, gold hit around $1,900 an ounce and then silver hit about $50 an ounce and then it was mm -hmm. smashed down. And I'm like, wait a second, why did it get so smashed down? Because there's still a lot of demand. And then I learned about gold and silver manipulation. And then also um, I've been following this guy, brother John F, who happened to be like one of the first guys to have a YouTube channel and talked about Bitcoin on it. Oh. And so I started watching that. I think Max Kaiser actually talked about it too, but I didn't really watch him as much. Uh, then I I was watching Bitcoin for a couple of years before I actually bought it until I actually read the white paper. And in 2012, I read it and I'm like, wow, this is crazy because like I, I was so used to stocks where I had to, you know, sign up for a brokerage account. They had a KYC everything, you know, it was linked to my bank account and I'm just like, okay, it's not very free. I couldn't really trade, send one stock, you know, stock of whatever to my friends across the world, you know, without any permission. And, uh, and then I read the white paper and I'm like, wow, I am so sold on this. This is crazy. And then I started trading on, um, <clears throat> I think this old exchange called BTC E. Most people have never heard of it, <laughs> but the old OGs have heard of this. You probably, you guys might've heard of this and like, like things like that. And I'm like, wow, I can this, like I, I put a fake email address, whatever, fake, pa you know, and, and, and started trading these things and I could send them to other, you know, uh, exchanges as well. I'm like, wow, this is going to change the world because I just, there were so many different coins. I didn't really know what half the coins did, mm -hmm. but I'm just like, it was fascinating to see like an entirely new market being created off of the old one. And I could literally just send any of these coins to all my friends without any KYC or nothing. It was, it was great. It was, that was, those were the best days, I, th I think. <laughs> so what, 
I'm, I'm curious what got you initially interested in this, right? So you mentioned you traded stocks, you were interested in gold <laughs> and silver, but that's still kind of a, a unique interest. Like what spurred you into that in the first place? Well, I saw that Bitcoin had a blockchain and it was yeah. a distributed ledger. I knew that, you know, you couldn't fake transactions mm -hmm. and that there was there was a certain amount of Bitcoin and I could view all the transactions that were coming in. I mean, you download... Um, you, you run a, your own node. I ran my own node in, back in the day and I'm like, wow, this is so cool. Like I can actually verify transactions. Whereas I could never do that with gold and silver mm -hmm. or any stocks, you know, because I never held the actual stock certificate. And so that sold me. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is where the world's heading. Like yeah. I I'm really extreme in my mindsets. Like I, I can see what's going to happen in the future and just go for, go for it. Yeah. And uh, I could see that Bitcoin was, there was nothing else that was going to replace that at any time soon. So yeah. I pretty much, I, I, I was sold almost immediately yeah. bought my first Bitcoin or I bought a batch because <laughs> it was pretty cheap back then. And then, um, and then I pretty much sold everything, sold all my stocks, sold all, all my gold and silver, mm -hmm. uh, sold my car, moved out of the my place that I had been living in, moved into a like a bachelor pad, and then just did Uber and Lyft 20, like wow. 17 hours a day, seven days a week, and just to save money to put into Bitcoin. And that wow. that was that my whole like that was everything. And my parents just thought I was crazy. My mother <laughs> thought I was nuts. Her boyfriend thought I was crazy. Uh, yeah. Almost, like my half my family just disowned me. They're like, you're nuts. And uh, cause I was telling them like, Hey, you know, central banks do this. I thought everybody wanted to know about this. Yeah. They didn't want to know about it. So yeah, it was, it was uh, difficult because everybody thought I was nuts, but it was, it was fun though. You know, it was, I knew I was on the right path. So how did those conversations evolve over the years, right? Because like at first they're like, what what the hell is Toby doing? Like this looks insane. And then, I mean, we go through bull markets and there's these massive price appreciation on the price of Bitcoin. So then did you have like, have you had family members who come to you at the peak of bull runs being like, how do I get in now? Or what have those conversations looked like? Yeah, it was difficult because it was 2012. So then 2013, we had the run up from like, 70 bucks or whatever to 1,150, I think it was around there, and then bashed down to 200 or whatever. And uh, yeah, nobody even heard of it really. So nobody was paying attention. Like that crash from, from under $100 to just over $1,000 back down to a couple hundred dollars, that wasn't advertised on like mainstream media. So nobody mm -hmm. really knew. And I think it started <laughs> happening around like 2017, 2018, when a lot of people started listening to Bitcoin because the mainstream media started talking about it. And, and once, you know, the top of that bull market, they all started like getting their own experts on and like, Hey, well, how far do you think it's, this is going to go? They had their own like little sections on CNBC or whatever. And I'm like, okay, this could be kind of dangerous. Cause I think, you know, once this happens, it could collapse. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then it, you know, bashed down back to, uh, to some lows there and around like 3,500. And then that wasn't until once it started doing that, because everybody was like, yeah, you should probably, you know, take your money out. Like in my family, like, don't yeah. do this, take your money out. This is ridiculous. But I had a lot of friends asking me, Hey, how do I get into this? So I don't really know how to, how to really read that. And it wasn't until like 2020 where I actually, you know, really, understood the psychology behind everything because I, I had to, I had to go through about two of two bull markets side to, to fully understand like how to do these these bull markets and then I enjoyed the uh 2021 bull run that was fun and that's when my parent that's when my mother is finally like hey I'm really proud of you I'm really Aww. glad you didn't listen to me I'm really glad you didn't <laughs> listen to everybody else and then all these people that had you know kind of shooed me away because they thought I was crazy. We're like, hey, can, how, can you help me do this? And I'm like, okay, cool. But then they got burned as well because they bought at the yeah. top because most people are attracted to higher prices. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's it's really hard for people to actually think, okay, the prices are really low. This is when you want to buy. And then you want to sell when everybody's talking about it. So yeah, that, that's kind of how it worked. 
So this episode of, of Show Me the Crypto is our 126th episode. But if we go all the way back to when we started this podcast, December 2020, episode one, your wife, Heidi, was our guest. And it was a great conversation. But I reached out to Heidi before this conversation because I wanted to get her to provide us with a question to ask you. So this question is coming from Heidi. The question is... How would you compare your experience with big wave surfing to being a long-term crypto investor in terms of the mindset needed to push through when others think you're crazy to go for it? Well, wow, that's a pretty good question. Um, I know that, that's the humbling thing. That's probably the best question you'll get asked this and it didn't come from us. So there you go. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, there's a lot of parallels. So for instance, when I go out in really big surf, like 80 foot surf, um, I, you know, I have a good team. I have, um, I hedge against dying, right? <laughs> so like I have a big vest, I have a good, I have the best jet ski driver in the world by far. Like my team is like the most on it team pretty much out in Nazareth with the exception of a cup, like two teams. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I want to make that sure that I have the best team, best equipment, you know, I'm riding the best boards. And I understand how to read the environment. So if you go turn that into crypto, I want to make sure that the, the project that I'm putting my money into has the smartest minds in the world, um, that they have a good you know bug bounty program, that I can read the blockchain, uh, that I can you know verify that they have this amount of coins or whatever, um, and and also that when things get kind of crazy, you know, vol volatility is nuts. Um, it's just to take take a look back, like look at the bigger picture. So, for instance, when I'm driving a jet ski on the inside at Nazareth, which means like with the whitewash, I have to bash through the whitewash. Uh, there's there's sometimes seven layers of whitewash that I need to get through. And so what what's cool about Nazareth, it's got a big cliff. And Heidi is talking in my ear because I have a live feed uh, connected by Bluetooth. And so she can tell me how to get out uh, out to the outside, you know, even though there's seven layers of whitewash, she can, she has a bird's eye view. So it's it's kind of like you have multiple people in crypto. Uh you know, helping me out with dealing with like, okay, well, where's this space heading? What's going on here? There's so many different avenues that we can invest in. Where, where should I, where should we go? Um, and look at looking at all the, uh, the attacks from governments, like, okay, where is this going to be heading? Where do you think would be the freest place to go? So for instance, Heidi and I, re we renounced our U.S. citizenship because we could see earlier on that it was really, it was going to get horrible in the U.S., um, just from how stern they were back in 2017, uh, with KYC were they, what the, kind of the words that were coming out of their mouths and we're like, Hey, we got to get out of here because they're going to absolutely destroy crypto in the United States. I mean, this is what we thought. Yeah. And we were pretty good, pretty spot on. I mean, they hate crypto. Uh, the U S government absolutely hates crypto. So we, left overseas. Now we live a tax-free life and crypto in Portugal is tax-free if you hold it for over a year, if it's your personal gain. So yeah, it's it's been really good. So we have to look at a you know bigger point of view to understand where we are heading. And that's the same thing with Bitcoin and through uh, big wave surfing. And when we talked with Heidi on that first episode, so the, the subject of the episode was navigating a bull run. And we're now in an interesting place here three years later where this conversation with you today, a lot of this talk is going to revolve around that same subject. But before we get into some of those questions about a bull run, what are your thoughts in general? Are we in a bull run already? Has that time come or is that still in the near future? I mean, I think we're in a bull run right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we were pretty loud when Sam Bankman free took down FTX and you know the price crashed crashed to around 15500 I'm like and, and I was looking at the collapse of the lending platforms so Celsius and um Three Arrows and all those those companies going down and so the the FTX collapse was actually bigger than all of those right 
but it didn't bring the percentage of Bitcoin down more than it did for for the uh, lending platform. So, for instance, the lending platforms brought Bitcoin down around like I think it was twenty seven percent or something like that. Whereas FTX collapse, I think it was around fifteen to seventeen percent or something like that. So I could see the law of diminishing returns from the bears. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is, that looks like the bottom. You know, the, the sellers are totally exhausted and it bounced really hard. And then we stuck in the twenties and now, you know, we're like over a hundred uh, percent above, you know, uh, it, the bottom, which is great. And very few people are, are very openly bullish on, on this, uh, this price action. So that gets me excited because most people weren't really overly bullish when we were going into a bull market, last bull market in the bull mar market before. So that's kind of how it works. You know, it's like the calm before the storm or the, you know, the crazy volatility upwards. So yeah, we could go up and down. That's normal for, for price action. But as far as like what's happening with the ETF, you know, we were under a half a year for the, uh, oh, sorry, um, not the ETF, uh, the, the Bitcoin having, you know, we're, mm -hmm. we're under half a year before that happens. And then we also have the uh, spot ETFs, which I think, you know, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to see that, oh, spot ETFs are approved. I think that's kind of how it's going to work. Uh, really, nobody cares about, I'm, I might get off the subject at, at, at all, but uh, nobody really cares about any of the other, you know, companies out there. They care about BlackRock. That's what brought this mm -hmm. to the table. And that's what got everybody excited. Not that I'm a fan of BlackRock. I know they are very, they're sharks, but you know, they're definitely going to help with the price of Bitcoin going up because it is a spot ETF and you're not going to be able to manip manipulate it like you can the futures market. So that's going to be really interesting. So I do think we're in a bull market. So you mentioned there the Bitcoin halving, and I think a lot of people, probably myself included, to be honest, have kind of built this historical um I guess, belief or like they've seen it happen in the past where a bull run will follow the Bitcoin having. So, you know, like, let's say it happens in April or May, maybe later that year, December, November, we start to get kicked off in the bull run. And like, are you set to that in terms of like, do you agree that that four year cycle makes sense in coinciding with the bull run? Or do you think that's something that maybe has happened a couple of times in the past, but there's no guarantees that that will guarantee the start of a bull run. I mean, that's not, it's not guaranteed. Nothing's yeah. guaranteed in this space, but as far as a four year cycle, yeah, it looks like we're on a four year cycle. Um, and also, you know, in terms of what you, what you mentioned about the, uh, the having I'm, my mind is I'm, I'm kind of, I'm torn. I don't know if the having is, is, is like, going to make Bitcoin go ballistic because I think people already know it's the having people are kind of used to the having now. I mean, maybe I'm totally wrong and I'm, Hey, that's, that's fine. But I think, you know, I think the bigger picture is we are in a four year cycle and regardless of whether or not it was be the having um, it's the fact that Bitcoin is getting more and more popular. You know, the hash rate is going up ridiculous. I think it's like 500 and something million terahashes a second. Like that's huge. That's mm. so, that means the network is so secure. And like, why wouldn't you want a piece of that? You know, like I think people understand this now. And I think, you know, that's why big banks kind of want a piece of the pie. And so the, the, the wording that I hear from banks and, and, you know, BlackRock and even Vanguard, which kind of dismissed, you know, a spot ETF yesterday, I still, I see that it's changing a lot, you know, as being like a global hedge against, you know, um, uh, the unknown out there, right? And so I, that's really interesting that they're saying that now. It makes me think that, okay, their bags are full. You know, they bought so much Bitcoin back when FTX collapsed. <laughs> And they were probably buying before that as well, you know, and they're finally like, okay, we have our bags packed. We can uh, go ahead and, you know, pump this thing. So I think that's probably what is happening as well as the four-year cycle. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know how high we're going to go. You know, some people say 500,000, I, I would say 150, 200,000, maybe mm. uh, that that would be that, that that's that I'd be happy with that. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, that's kind of it. 
Yeah, it's interesting when you think about like where the price is going to go. Wade and I were talking about this yesterday <clears throat> and we were saying how like there's definitely, especially in this in this upcoming bull run, the 100,000 mark is insight, right? You could say it was insight. The last one, a lot of people thought it was going to hit 100K. It did not. But if it can get to 100K, it's easy to think that, at least to speculate, that it will sort of blow through it because it's going to, if it hits that number, mainstream media is going to go ballistic, like advertising Bitcoin everywhere. Bitcoin hit 100K and to even just to get there, the chart's going to look amazing. And you can just imagine retail, everyone and their grandma going into Bitcoin and seeing the price skyrocket even further. Now, is that sustainable? Will it Will it stay higher no matter like wherever it ends up topping out at? Probably not. You know, there's there's usually is a big crash after. But with that all being said, wherever the price ends up during this next bull run, nobody really knows. What is your advice for those coming into it? Maybe they're new. Maybe it's going to be their first bull run or maybe they've been in one before. Regardless, I think it's worth mentioning that most people don't do well in a bull run. And that's not because they don't make money going up. They do. It's that they don't know how or when to take profits and eventually watch it all crash again. So what's your advice, whether it's on the profit side, whether it's on the risk and security side, what advice do you give to those approaching their first bull run? Well, I mean, my advice would be to buy when nobody's really talking about the talking about Bitcoin. You know, when the mainstream media is not having at least three different um, articles of, of uh, what's happening in Bitcoin every day, you know, that's, that's the time to buy. And also, you know, so a lot of people are young in this space and they're kind of wondering like, how do I, you know, make it huge? Because think about it. If somebody has like a thousand dollars or $5,000 and they put in the Bitcoin, and it goes to hundred K. Okay. Then they're, they have, if they put a thousand dollars in now, now they have, you know, $4,000. So it's probably not going to be um, a life-changing amount of money. So, you know, what I've done is just, I, I'm realizing that I'm kind of over the VC-driven projects and looking more to on-chain coins where you don't just have a bunch of, you know, bag holders to dump on you when, when the price is like skyrocketing. And also it's, you know, these projects that are like, I, I'm mainly into micro caps now, you know, on, on top of Bitcoin and link and uh, all the, the other stronger coins that I, that I like, but micro caps, I think are a really good idea. If you are, if you have money to spare, you don't, you know, if you don't mind losing it because, you know, these are <laughs> micro caps, they can go anywhere, but yeah, that's probably like a, a really good area to get into. Uh, but you also, if you say, for instance, it doubles in price, which it can easily do, you can easily lose your money as well. But if it doubles in price, you take your initial investment out, mm. regardless of how much you think that thing is going to go up. And then maybe put in the Bitcoin, put half of it into Bitcoin and then, you know, invest the rest into uh, another one. So that's kind of it. If you're older, I would definitely just chill, buy some Bitcoin, maybe some ETH, and sit on it, you know, um, if you don't really, most people don't want to actually caress their portfolio every day. You know, they got lives, they got, they, they have work and kids and whatever. So they're not going to be staring at a screen all day. Um, and so with that said, that's probably a good idea to just get into Bitcoin and Ethereum, just leave the rest. And then once you hear everybody talking about Bitcoin, that's probably a good time to take out Profits. I wouldn't take out all the profits. I wouldn't take out all of your Bitcoin. I'm like, for instance, I'm going to ride this bull market. I'm going to keep a good, very high percentage of my Bitcoin. I'm probably going to sell mostly everything else. Uh, but yeah, Bitcoin is what I'm going to keep. Maybe a little bit of Ethereum. That's about it. You know, so that's that. That would be it. Toby, I think that's that's great advice. And it's interesting there because you mentioned uh, a couple different coins and whatnot. And, you know, in the, in the bio, I mentioned orange pilled since 2012. But I'm curious, how has your own perspective and I guess projects you believe in evolved over the years since you've been in the space? Because I know, you know, Bitcoin was a focus, but then you also got on board with Ethereum pretty early. You mentioned their link. 
not being scared to go after some small cap coins here for maybe the higher risk, but the bigger gains. So how is your own thesis and what are your thoughts on those who may be kind of more of the maximalist mindset towards specific coins? So you're asking me like pretty much what are my thoughts on big, on maximalists? <laughs> that That's kind of the second part. But even for yourself, like how would you define yourself as a holder? Like are you agnostic in the space? Like you're open to kind of all coins and that kind of thing. And then, yeah, as a part two, sure. what are your thoughts on maximalists? Oh, I mean, I really enjoy different projects, you know, yeah. like when I first got into Bitcoin, I really like Bitcoin and I'm like, well, this is great. This is great for now. If something better comes around, which is going to be very hard to do now, especially with the hash rate as high as it is, you know, then then that's fine. But the only way Bitcoin's going away is if something better came along. And I'm not talking about a CBDC. I'm actually talking about what the free market is going to create. If they do create something, who knows? It could just be Bitcoin. Uh, I don't. I def definitely don't know the future, but I think Bitcoin is the strongest uh, coin out there. Uh, obviously, especially since Ethereum went to proof of, proof of work or uh, proof of stake. Um, that was, yeah, that 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 was a bit of a. A sad day, even though, yeah, you could stake and it's probably going to make a lot of money in the in the future. I just don't see it being, you know, a viable option in the long, long term, um, just because it went to proof of stake and it's still, you know, untested. Uh, but as far as like the reason why I'm not a maximalist is because first off, I mean, there's so many reasons, but the first first reason is that you need something to take the pressure off of Bitcoin. Could you imagine the whole world, you know, trying to buy Bitcoin and doing transactions and doing NFTs on Bitcoin? Do you know mm -hmm. how slow the network would be? So all these other networks are taking a lot of the heat, plus they're more experimental. So they're actually trying different things where it's Bitcoin. The reason why it's so safe and secure is because it is not just slow, but it's also, you know, very simple. You know, they've simplified it, whereas Ethereum is incredibly complicated. And that is one of its downtrends, in my opinion. Um, also, Satoshi, he created this open source. He created Bitcoin open source. And, you know, if you have an open source project, I mean, Satoshi wasn't stupid. You know, I believe that Satoshi was probably in many people. And I don't think they were that stupid. I think they realized, okay, a lot of people are going to use this code to make another coin. Okay. And and kind of play with it. Why wouldn't you? If you, I mean, how boring would it be like just to play with Bitcoin? That's it? Really? Oh my gosh. Like, no way. I would like to go ahead and experiment if, you know, if I'm, if I have all these creative ideas, why not? And we've seen some really cool stuff like decentralized exchanges and, and things like that and liquidity providing. And I mean, the list goes on. So those are some of the main things that I that I would say. And then also, I, I just think, you know, I'm going to get a, probably a ton of hate for this, but <laughs> I think it's just laziness. Like when you learn something, you you know Bitcoin very well. And you decide never to branch out of anything else and you're like, nope, Bitcoin, that's it. That's it. That it sounds like a cult. It just sounds like a cult, you know, like, give me a break. There's, it's a free market. You telling me that, that no other coin out there is, could be potentially helpful for humanity. No, not, not at all. What about, you know, Monero? That sounds pretty freaking cool to obfuscate your coins. Yeah. I, I like that. You know, that's really cool. And then, you know, it can go on and on, but you know, th that's just one example of many that you can do with, you know, altcoins that you're not going to be able to do with a, a, you know, with, with Bitcoin because you can, it's, you know, pseudo anonymous. You, you can't, people can track that to you. So um, unless you've mined it and you've really kept it off exchanges, which most people haven't. So, you know, give people another option. You know what I mean? I should also say Thor swap is great too, because now you can use a decentralized exchange to go ahead and, and swap native Bitcoin for whatever coin you want, which is freaking great. I, I love this space. It's so much fun. So yeah, I would be, I'd be so bored if it was just Bitcoin. Yeah, I love all the... The space moves so fast. There's always so many new developments. And yeah, it is hard to maybe keep track of it all. And nobody really can. And that's okay. What's important is that the things that you do manage to find the time to stay on top of and keep track of are always interesting. 
There's always new developments. Things are always pushing the technology. And like you said, the help to humanity forward. And I think that's what keeps the space really interesting. But something you mentioned there in regards to Bitcoin is, you know, you talked about some of what makes Bitcoin so great, but you also mentioned that, you know, Bitcoin is slow and it does have um, this large community of developers and people who are trying to push the boundaries with Bitcoin. But going back to kind of being boring, you know, it, it has a main purpose that wasn't really built to necessarily do a lot else on top of. Yet with the advent of Ethereum and all these other all these other blockchains that were built to do so much more, people are now trying to do that and bring it over to Bitcoin. So my question here is, do you think that Bitcoin could potentially go down like the wrong path where developers end up building these features that ultimately make it slower and slower to run and slower for people to actually take advantage of even the basics that they want to use it for? Or do you think those are all just hurdles that will be overcome as uh, the Bitcoin development uh, continues forward? Oh, you mean like BRC20 tokens and putting that on the chain yeah, as well? Exactly. Which and then who knows what else in the future, right? Yeah, I mean, that th they're trying things that, you know, this is what Ethereum's for. You know, this is what other, other things are for. I think Bitcoin <clears throat> is money. It's money. It's like the pure definition of money, you know, doesn't lose, lose its value over a longer period of time. It's fungible. You know, it's, it's, uh, intrinsically valid. People say, what about intrinsic value? Well, I mean, in reality, nothing's intrinsic, doesn't have intrinsic value 10,000 years ago or what a million years ago before humans were around, you know, was gold really rare? Not really, you know, nobody cared about it because there was no humans. So it didn't have any intrinsic value. So, but I mean, as far as what money is, it is Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, you can send it to whoever you want, anywhere in the world. It, I couldn't care less if it was, if it's slow. And, um, and it's not that expensive either. So it's, it's fine, you know, and I know the monetary policy for the next million years. How great is that? So Perfect. I couldn't care less if Bitcoin's slow, whatever. But the rest of the, you know, coins out there, that's great. You know, have at it. Have have fun. When it comes to the last bull run that we were on, I'm curious, like what was what what did you find most surprising about the last one? So I mean, we think back, there was DeFi summer in 2020, then we had the rise of NFTs. Like when you look at kind of that full bull run, what surprised you most? I think the amount of people that actually held their coins on lending platforms. Mm. I was I was blown away. Like I I was we were at a an island off Indonesia. A really good surf spot, surf spot, and and there was a guy that was a uh, um, a Bitcoin core developer. He was a prior Bitcoin core developer. He had his money on Celsius. I'm like, bro, you should probably get your money off now. He's like, really, what, really, what, what, why? I'm like, what is it really worth the three to five percent you're going to get off of Bitcoin? Like, it's just not worth it, you know. So it just really blew my mind of how many people held their monies on money on like uh centralized exchanges, lending platforms and all that. That was the biggest surprise. I think the second one was like how many people didn't mind giving their KYC <laughs> away with their pretty much their net worth. That blew my mind as well. Cause I'm like, guys, like this is a permissionless system here. They're permissionless. What does that mean? It means you shouldn't have to ask for permission from anybody uh, to do anything really. That's why I love you know, using decentralized exchanges and stuff. Um, so yeah, that's those were the two things that I was just shaking my head. And I realized, wow, this is just human nature. You know, people are going to like this next bull market. If you think the last one people lost a, a lot of money in, wait till you see the next one. That's going to be wild. The people are going to get so scammed. And you know what? My followers, Probably not as many because we're always hammering in putting your coins off uh, exchanges and using decentralized exchanges. But, you know, for a lot of the people out there, they're not going to do that. So, yeah, that was one of my biggest uh, uh, surprises. Yeah. 
Well, it's an interesting topic. And we talk about this quite a bit on the podcast is, you know, this balance between yes, like you said, securing your own funds, being in control of that, having it in your own storage, you know, whether that's a ledger or a treasure, however, you're keeping your coins safe. Um, and then the balance between the the learning curve, and sometimes maybe the the hindrance for onboarding. So for some people, I always think of my mom, my mom always comes to to mind when I think of this example. But you know, walking her through social media was difficult enough, let alone like, hey, mom, you should set up this like this is how you send and receive Bitcoin. Like, I've lost her in the first sentence, right? Because she has less of, of knowledge when it comes to that. I, I don't know what the question is here other than just what do you think it's going to take to, to strike that balance? I mean, is that just going to have to be an inconvenient thing people have to figure out? Like, yeah, you're going to have to, you know, figure out your seed phrase, store it in a safe place, like all of those sorts of things. Or do you think that we have to come a little further in terms of the technology of making it a little bit more simple to get the masses onboarded? What are your thoughts there? Oh man, that, that that's one of the things that we were talking about in Am the Bitcoin Amsterdam mm -hmm. to the ledger people. Um, people, uh, yeah. So we, we, I was pretty much thinking, yeah, not too many people are going to want to take custody of their own coins, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. Not a lot of people want to hear that, but from what I see, what I saw last year uh, happen, I just don't think they're going to care about it. You know, for the most part. But there's a large percentage of us that really care about this. And then, you know, education, it's going to help as well. You know, Heidi's always making videos on hardware wallets. I think that's really important. Um, but also, you know, you're talking about simplification of, of, you know, onboarding people for taking custody of their own coins. I think that's, that's going to be like a trade-off, you know, because it is going to be, you're going to have to have something to where you're going to have to memorize or like store your private key somewhere. And if you do lose that, it's gone forever. You know what I mean? So I can't imagine an incredible amount of people wanting that because they're so used to like a bank account or a stock exchange or whatever. Oh, I lost my password. I don't know where it went. And then they give it back, you know, whereas this, once it's gone, you lose your, your private keys see you later. You know, that there goes your coins. I don't think a lot of people are going to put up with that or like want that. So I do. I really want that. My family does like my um, Heidi's family really likes that. My mom couldn't care less about Bitcoin, <laughs> but you know, whatever. That's kind of like what, what is happening in the older generation. Wow. That, I mean, they're really going to struggle because so many things are changing so fast. And back in their generation, you know, when they were younger, they didn't, they never had like life didn't move as fast as it move, is moving now. So it's not like, you know, crypto is, is on an exponential curve of, of innovation. You know, this is really like, even me, I have a hard time keeping up with this space. I can't imagine, you know, some older person doing that, you know what I mean? So that's kind of my two cents on that, two sets. Yeah, just on a, one of the things you mentioned there around like banks, let's say what people are used to. We had an interesting conversation recently. I forget forget which guest it was, but um, we were talking about this world where in the future, perhaps what happens is, like you said, for different people, different there's going to be different needs, different wants, different levels of comfortability. And maybe there's a world where, you know, for you, for people like us, yeah, we self-custody our own crypto. But for maybe that older generation or those who just aren't as technically savvy or who don't feel comfortable with their own keys and their own custody, they go through someone like a bank. And so when as banks evolve and banks adopt crypto technology, they, they adopt the blockchain and they, they might become, you know, this arm of crypto that operates in a more traditional sense. And still you go to your bank, you've got your account, but you go to them to buy Bitcoin and they custody, yep. they, they, they hold that Bitcoin for you, but it's through your, your traditional banks and the brands, you know, and the brands you have trust with already. And, you know, maybe that's a way that eventually, even if it's not through self-custody, 
we do get more of the world into crypto, into Bitcoin and Ethereum, and maybe at least the you know the blue chip type of coins. Oh, I mean, absolutely. That? I mean, look no further than what happened with FTX. I mean, banks are were having a party because <laughs> of that because they're realizing, wow, now we can create our own, you know, our own exchange. You know, that's very secure. Banks aren't going to go under. Fidelity's not going to go under. BlackRock's not going to go under. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, yeah, people are going to be like, well, they're not going to be FTX. So, that's, yeah, sure, here you go. So they're going to be onboarded for sure. But then again, are they eventually going to be able to hold their own keys? Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know what banks are going to be doing because, as you know, we prob- most of us probably don't trust banks as much. Imagine, you know, when they get a hold of like most of the people's coins, what are they going to do? I have no idea. I don't, I don't trust them. And, but I see like, they're very clever at getting people to uh, give them their coins. And I think that's, I think you're spot on with a a, adoption. That's going to be the adoption, a huge adoption phase. Looking forward to this next bull run, and you touched on it a little bit, talking about um, you know your surprise with the last one, how many people held their coins in centralized exchanges, that that might even be amplified into the next bull run. But just in general as well, what do you, if you had to kind of crystal ball gaze, what do you think will be a trend or a focus of this upcoming bull run? Uh, I think gambling. <laughs> I think, <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, I think um, just betting in general. I mean, we like for instance, we run a, uh, um, a business called LearningCrypto.com, and so one of the coins that we got into was was Rollbit and RLB, and it we we pretty much bought it a micro cap. Now it's a, a major, which is really cool. It's cool to see that, but you can see that's kind of like the trend of what's happening. So you look at the coins that did really well. During the accumulation phase, I would say the accumulation phase was probably $25,000 to, to $30,000. That was like a really good accumulation phase. And you can see the coins that did really well during that point are doing really, really well now. Um, so that that's one trend. I would say uh, decentralized uh, or DeFi, that's going to be huge, especially now that you know, there's so much KYC on all the exchanges. Everything is KYC. People are just going to be like, screw that. You know, like I can go and DeFi. They're going to be liquidity providers. Um, I think L1s, L2s are going to be big. You know, Arbitrum, pretty much a lot of coins on Arbitrum is going to probably do really well. Like GMX. Um, and, you know, uh, boy, what else? I think g- gaming is going to be big. You know, I'm not too big into gaming, but you know, from what I hear, from from what I saw last last uh, last bull market, gaming was just getting started, and I think it's going to be massive on this this time. Uh, but it's I don't know how many like major game companies are actually going to be accepting crypto. That that'll be like the the switch, I think. Uh, but um, yeah, that's that's pretty much. Those are some major major. Uh, trendsetters right there. I think th- those are going to make people a lot of money. Oh, sorry. Jeez. AI. AI is going to make, mm. that's going to change the game. So for instance, I started my own, uh, another channel. <laughs> it's called the AI standard. And I just did it for fun. The only reason I did it was because like, I want to learn more about it. And if I teach people, then I'm learning. And hmm. so, and I, and we're using it pretty much on a daily basis for our company. And yeah, it's, it's been really good. So, and when you have like, um, there, there's a couple coins out there that you guys might want to check out. You know, if you have fetch.ai, uh, you have ocean Pro- protocol, you have uh, PAAL and yeah, there you, go search those. Those are some, some nice bets on the AI space. But I think that crypto AI is going to Man, it's going to really rock it up once people understand how AI is going to change the world. And and it's nonstop. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So I think that's one of the major trends that we're going to see. I love those uh, trend calls. And I think they're very on point. I agree with most of them. And they've been in my head too. But I got to say one that wasn't was gambling. And <laughs> yeah. I, I love that call because I could totally... Like, I haven't paid attention to the gambling 
niche in in crypto, but sure. I know that it's taking off in many ways. I have friends who gamble in crypto and yeah. um yeah i'm gonna have to look into that myself that's i appreciate don't gamble. that one yeah, no, don't gamble but uh gamble on the gambling trend <laughs> the gambling trend yeah exactly that's it <laughs> nice um so you and heidi have been running your youtube channel for many years now you guys have i think over two hundred thousand subscribers you are doing great if you haven't seen it, go check it out. What are your plans for the future of crypto tips and and where you want to take the channel? I mean, I want to continue taking the channel to new lengths, you know, having interviews like this and and um you know, I, I'm I really enjoy teaching people. So that's what I want to do. Um, so right now we have our business learningcrypto.com and, and and we eventually want to sell it, but I still I don't want to like get rid of the YouTube channel. I, I always want to teach people on, you know, about crypto. And it's because it's so, it's like a, a novel that keeps on going and mm -hmm. it's literally changing the world. So there's no way I'm going to get rid of the, the crypto channel if, that, if that's what you mean. But as far as that, you know, it'd be great to, you know, have, collaborate a lot more um, and yeah, teach teach more and more people, especially like getting on Twitter spaces. So for instance, I was on a Twitter space uh, not too long ago. I think it was with, with uh, Mario Norfall and a couple other guys. And um, <clears throat> one of the things is like, I really have, <clears throat> I, I really want to be an influence here because a lot of people were freaked out about like, do you remember when Elizabeth Warren was saying that uh, the crypto people are, you know, they're, they're funding like Hamas or whatever. And so I'm like, guys, she, she, people are like, well, we got to fight back. We got to fight back. I'm like, think about it. This woman, she gets $260,000 a year for her salary, but she's worth around $75 million. How did she make that? Wall Street. And, you know, but I'm like, how are you going to fight back? People are like, well, we have to vote, 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 do this. I'm like, wait a second. We're already fighting back. We have decentralized exchanges. That's huge. We have self-custody wallets. That's amazing. We have obfuscation coins, Monero. We have so many different things out there that we, the free market is fighting back. Eventually, those people are going to be completely irrelevant. I mean, to me, they're irrelevant already, but you know, that's kind of the the way I want to go. Cause I think people, even that some of the bigger people in this space need to be educated on how to make these people irrelevant, how to live a free life, you know, how to live in a tax-free jurisdiction, how to set up your business correctly, which citizenships are really good, what citizenship by investments take Bitcoin or Ethereum. There's so many avenues that you can teach people out there. I get really excited. I can just talk forever on that. Toby, that's that's such good advice. We're coming close to the the end of this conversation. In a second, we're going to get into three questions we ask every single guest. So we'll get to those in a moment. But when I was asking Heidi to provide a question, she actually provided two. So this uh -huh. is the second question that Heidi asked. Probably these are going to be the top two best questions that were asked in the interview, uh, which is, like I said, very humbling for Ulf and I. <laughs> but uh, she asked, what is your least favorite thing about crypto? Oh, Wow, that's a, that's a good question. Hmm. Well, I think it's there. It's it's a couple things. I should just get out a couple things. I don't know how to balance it. I don't know which one's first, but I think KYC and AML. I think that's one of my least favorite things about crypto. Mm -hmm. Um, just it's a total scam. You know, giving your information away for some third party to hold doesn't make any sense. And also, I think the lack of understanding on why crypto was created, why Bitcoin was created from even some of the largest people in the space. Mm. Now, I'm not poo-pooing on Michael Saylor, but when he says things like, we need uh, regulations and we need KYC and AML, that's very important. It just, ugh, just like, really got, really, man? Like all these Bitcoin maximalists, they love this guy. And then he says that. So that's some of my least favorite things about the space, because I realized that these people have a lot of influence over the space. And when they say things like that, it's just like, okay, well, you just totally missed the whole point of permissionless. 
the whole point that I got into this space was because I don't like being told what to do, especially with my finances. And so I really took heat on, you know, permissionless. And I, and I, you know, I'm going to hold on to that. And I'm going to call out anybody that's that, you know, kind of says they want regulations. I'm, I'm pretty ruthless. I'm a troll and, but I'm, I'm proud to be one, you know, cause I'm trying to stick up for everybody else that doesn't know the difference. Yeah. So, yeah. Good for you. Agreed. Definitely. Okay. So as I mentioned, we like to end every episode of Show Me the Crypto with the same three questions we ask every guest. It's a segment we call You Had Me at Crypto, and Ulf is going to ask you those questions. Uh-oh. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh-oh. Pressure's You'll be on. all right. You'll be all right. All right. Okay. The first question, who's your favorite person to follow in the crypto space? Hmm. Wow, that's a good question. That's, that's a really good question. Um, I like this guy, Creddy Bull. He's on Twitter. And and I also like Eric Foreys. Uh Credit Bull is, I know it sounds a ridiculous name, but he's a really good chartist. And he he's like one of the only chartists I really respect in this space. And he um he's made some amazing calls when like going against pretty much everyone. And it, it was very impressive. Um for me, I'm not a chartist. Um, you know, I I kind of view it as a crystal ball, but he's really done a good job. Uh, as far as Eric Voorhees, he's a an anarcho-capitalist, just like me. And I just really like his views on the crypto space. He's one of the big guys that gets it. And I, I'm really, really happy that he's in the space. You know, he understands permissionless very well. And he's been teaching that. And his, <clears throat> his message has been solid for over a decade now, which is really respectable. Those are solid answers. Just out of interest sake, so Heidi was on the first and the 88th episode. Her first yeah. answer to that question was Andreas Antonopoulos. Her okay. second answer matched up with your second answer. Eric Voorhees is what she nice. answered on the 88th. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Oh, I try to mix it up a little bit. You get to give you a little bit of the uh, the money side and the philosophy side. So Love that it. would be, I mean, Andreas Antonopoulos, brilliant guy. Hands, hats off to him. Nice. All right. Second question. What will the price of Bitcoin be 10 years from today? We're going a decade out. <laughs> I don't know, man. Nobody uh, does. Nobody knows. That's the fun of the question. 10 years Not financial from now. advice. Yeah. 10 years from now. I mean, that would be like two more bull markets on top of this one. So yeah, a million at least. Yeah. That's a good answer. That's I mean, a good it depends answer. on if, how much they're printing. I mean, they just yeah. printed more currency than they've ever printed before this year. So if that trend continues, it could be worth more. You know, it depends. It depends on how high inflation is going to be. That's because Bitcoin is an inflation hedge. That's a great answer. That is actually our most common answer. Although I will say over the bear market, Answers have gotten a lot more. Like over the last yeah. year, they've gone down in value. Out of interest sake, Heidi's answer to that question, she kind of dodged it. She said, one Bitcoin will be worth one Bitcoin. Everything uh, she's a better person than me. <laughs> <laughs> she said, everything will be denominated in Bitcoin. And she said that in the 2020 episode. So 20, 30, seven years from now, that'll be an interesting thing to look yeah, back on. Sure. Yeah. Just for interest sake. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll see. Third, that could be yeah. interesting. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, the yeah. third and final question What is the most underrated project in the crypto space? I think Bitcoin is still the most mm -hmm. underrated project. Absolutely. I mean, it's still being built on. People still crap on it. And it's it's just begun, in my opinion. So yeah, there, there's nothing more. It's the most secure network in the history of the world. That itself makes it the top. I mean, nothing comes close. So yeah, that's that's that is the most underrated project ever. Mm. That's period. Yeah, love it. Love yeah, it. that's a great, that's answer. great answer. A couple people have like, but that's a rare answer. But that's a really good one. I like mm -hmm. it. Again, out of interest sake, Heidi's first episode, she said interoperability and privacy features were underrated, and then in the 88th episode, Thorchain was one that she mentioned. Oh, well, were you asking about a coin or like just 
it's kind of it's, Toby. It's a pretty out there. Like just choose what you want to go with. No, because we're she's lenient. she's right. If that's yeah. if we're not talking about coins, then yeah. decentralized exchanges. Oh yeah. my gosh! And the mixture between decentralized exchanges and hardware wallets. Oh, it is a beautiful mixture. I yeah. I love it. It's gonna change the world. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, Toby. Well, this has been a great conversation. We always enjoy being able to talk to somebody who's a true OG in the space, who has made it through multiple cycles. I think you provided a ton of great advice to any audience member who's watching this. Thank you so much for joining Alf and I on this episode of Show Me the Crypto. Oh, thank you, guys. It was it was a pleasure. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> thank you for listening to Show Me the Crypto. Please make sure to subscribe as well as rate and review this podcast.